wants to do is to give us some helps in how to deal with stress. Stress is going to come. We live in this um, hectic environment where everything is going in six different directions, instant dinners, shouting matches, strained relationships, too little sleep, and much too much bad television. And when you put that mixture together, besides the cares of life that come along, I tell you what, that's enough to sometimes get to you. And this book, this Bible, is filled with the words of God, the words of God that we count on is truthful. He never changes. And he stands behind his word to perform it. We're going to attach our faith and do some creative things, I think. Uh, if this is any indication what the Holy Ghost gave me this time, uh, we might be doing several creative things in order to cement in our brains the truth of the scripture. Well, I want to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, we take authority over tiredness. Oh, in Jesus' name, we command it to leave. We have set ourselves aside to hear from you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, because we have, we ask for open ears, hearts that are receptive to the word. When help comes and help is offered, we want to hear it. We don't want it to pass us by. So we purpose to listen, purpose to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. In the beginning, I'm going to give you a little background on stress. I used to teach on this when I was in the world. And uh, I don't want to belabor this, but I want to set a foundation. Fact. Number one cause of heart disease is stress. 95% of all headaches... They are not brain tumors. They are not high blood pressure. They are simple S-T-R-E-S-S. -S. Isn't that amazing? 95%. 85% of all outpatient visits, not hospital visits, outpatient visits have nothing to do with disease. They are symptoms that have come on the body as a result of stress. Is that not amazing or what? They're, they feel real. They are real. They are what we call a conversion reaction. You have energy from your emotions that is converted into physical feelings in your body. And they, they really are real. Stress is not reality. It is how I respond to a situation. That's what stress is. We can have two people that sit side by side and something happens. Let's say I'm in my Sunday best and along comes a car and goes through a mud puddle and splashes David and I. 
we may both respond the same way or we may both respond differently. I might respond and have a few words to say and then my hands go up in the air and say, oh my, oh my, I'm on my way to church and have a lot to say and I'm stressed out. Don't have time to go change. On the other hand, it might not bother him at all. It is our response to situations in our environment that's what stress is. It's important that you recognize that stress is valuable. Now, you haven't heard that too many times, but it's valuable. Do you remember when you were a child and you had your first play that you were in? Uh, maybe it was the Christmas play or the Thanksgiving play, and you had one little line. Here comes the Indians, okay? I remember mine. I was in a little Pocahontas-type outfit, and the teacher said, this is all you have to practice. I went home and practiced that in the mirror. Here comes the Indians. Here comes the Indians. Here comes the Indians. I tried it with all different inflections, all arm movements, and finally had it down pat. The day came for this dress rehearsal, and it's just like the real thing. And I had on my costume, and I stood up, and <sighs> my heart was pounding, my head was pounding, and I'm thinking, what is this? I had no idea that as a child you could feel stressed, but it made me do something. See, on the dress rehearsal, I couldn't remember those lines. I couldn't, and I don't want to look stupid in front of a whole lot of people like you don't want to look stupid. So I went home after that dress rehearsal, and I looked in that mirror, and I said, here come the Indians. Get it in your brain. Here come the Indians. Until I, I said it probably a thousand times that night. And when the play came, I felt that heart pounding and all those symptoms in my body. But I went out on stage, and as loud as I could say it, I said, here come the Indians. <laughs> louder than anybody else in the whole play. But I got through it. Stress is valuable. Stress can cause you to come at peak performance. Anyone who has ever performed, you use stress in a valuable way. You use it. This conversion reaction that I mentioned, the energy that comes from your emotions, you get all uptight and all concerned, and pretty soon there's a headache. It converts, this emotional energy converts into physical symptoms. Now, a headache is nothing, but what if you have a chronically stressful situation, and it's headache after headache after headache after headache? We call those migraines. You might have an occasional night's sleep that you lose. But what happens if it continues and the stress does not release again and again and again? Then we put a label on it and we say, you have insomnia. You might have an upset stomach. Oh, that situation that I'm in, it's just, I don't feel like eating a thing. Well, that's okay if it's a one time. But if it's a chronic situation, it can cause gastritis and ulcers. That's long-term, chronic. Eating patterns can change. Binging and anorexia. 
it affects the colon. You might have a bout of diarrhea or constipation, but just wait and let it be chronic. And the diagnosis changes, and now it's colitis or it's diverticulitis. There's chronic excitability that happens when the heart pumps real fast like that. And if it continues without release of stress, we call that high blood, blood pressure and heart disease. Well, we've, we have our own methods of dealing with stress. Some of them are excellent. I'm going to mention them quickly. We're not going to go down the road very long because I don't want to spend a lot of time in this part of it. Exercise, you've heard there's value in that. Anything that breaks the thought pattern of what you are stressed about. Have you ever noticed when you're stressed about something, if it's a person or a situation, that is all you think about? You, you might be doing your housework at home, taking the kids someplace. I don't care what's happening. That's on your brain. You've got to release the thought pattern. Exercise can do that. Then you start worrying about your sore muscles and, your, and the other problems that come from the exercise. One healthy, healthy, healthy thing to do is laughter. I tell you what, if, if you can get a good joke, if you can get a story that's in there and that takes your brain and you short circuit the thought pattern about your stress, it is valuable. In fact, there have been quite a few uh, articles written by physicians about the value of laughter. A very famous fellow, I couldn't pull it up and I couldn't find the article, but I remember reading this article. Uh, I don't think he was a doctor, but he was in the medical community. They had pronounced over him that he was going to die whatever his problem was, he was going to die. And he said, well, I'm going out laughing. And he liked the Three Stooges. So he got a hold of some Three Stooges and some Carol Burnett and some stuff like that and laughed his way to perfect health. And the doctors absolutely were astonished, and they couldn't get over it. And they have since then concluded the value of laughter. Music, there is nothing better than to put music on. Now, don't let it be background music. Get into the music. When I recently, my daughter was at the house, and she was, um, she was helping me with some cleaning, and she had forgotten her earbuds and her music that she usually cleans with. And I went to the... Um, cabinet, and I put on my, my favorite Jewish music. And I'll tell you what, Jewish music gets me at the core. It starts in my toes. <laughs> and at the moment, I'm, I'm not at a place where dancing is big, but I'll tell you what, I started moving, <laughs> and I'm going back and forth. And she came into the room, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm enjoying God. Do you know what a break it makes in that thought pattern? If you will just leave that thought pattern alone, get into the music, particularly if you're singing about God. That's a good one. Hobbies. 
Calgon bath. For the ladies, they love to get in a bubble bath and just soak for a while. Shopping. Now, if your problem is you have credit cards that are maxed out, please don't go shopping. Only window shopping. But again, it's the change in the thought pattern. Deep breathing exercises. You've heard of when you're all stressed out, count to 10 before you open your mouth and say, there's value in that. But you have to think about the breathing. Alcohol and drug abuse. There's a lot of people who go that route. They're concerned, they have problems, they can't figure out what to do with them, and a little drink will do you, and 10 more will help even more. And then there's one that's not advocated by the medical community, but it is very much advocated by God. And it is called meditation of God's word. Now, I tell you what, this will turn anything around. And this is the pathway we're going tonight. Okay. What is it that causes these, this stress? An increased amount or intensity or rapidity of problems. I'm going to say that again. Increased amount, intensity, or rapid, rapidity of problems. Being out of your comfort zone, that'll send you into stress like you can't believe. And repetition without rest. Just doing, having the same problem again and again. And do you ever get to the point where you think, how many times will they repeat this? My daughter, I got there once. I said to God, how many times do I have to say, I love you? When, when I know, oh my, that was a rough season. I'm here to tell you she's well, she's whole, she's praising the Lord too. Okay, now let's do something positive. We don't want to spend our whole time talking about what the world thinks. Come with me to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. I have to keep tabs on this. This is the story of Martha and Mary. Verse 38 of chapter 10 of Luke. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Let me repeat that. She was distracted with all her preparations. Now, how many of you have been a hostess and you've had people into your home? There are certain things that are required. If you're going to have them over for dinner, you've got to put dinner on the table. But you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemies because we add to the necessary and we stress ourselves way beyond what's really necessary. And I read this, and but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. 
not necessarily what was required of her, not necessarily what was needed to feed the group of people. She could have probably gotten away with paper plates and paper napkins, but she wanted to do it real nice. And when she got her, the glasses down and the best china, that all has to be washed by hand. Oh, the stress level is going up and up because I have to clean this mess up afterwards. And you have to be prepared to put the time in and the effort in if you're going to go that extra mile. And she thought she was going to have help, but she didn't have any help. Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. This is a classic example of how somebody who's stressed tries to deal with the stress. Let's drop it off on somebody else's shoulders. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. There is a point at time where this story becomes very important to evaluate and simplify our lives. There are things that are necessary. You have to take care of your person. You have to feed your husband. You have to, you know, there's priorities, and you have to take care of these things. If you have children, they're a priority. But you know, Sometimes we make the job. We think we're superwoman. We think we're superman. We're expected. A very wise person said to me one time, I was asking, this was before I was ordained, I was asking about the ministry. And I said, I noticed that a lot of people in the ministry that I was associated with at that time they were very stressed out. And this is what that person said. It isn't the ministry. It's what we add to the ministry. It isn't being mom. It's what we add to being mom. It isn't being dad that's the problem. It's what we add, what we think we should do. And God didn't put that on us at all. So this story... I think is valuable to just evaluate so many things. Am I doing something that could be causing the stress? When you listed down those diagnoses from doctors, and then, you know, whether it be this one, a colitis, or it be gastritis, or whatever it happens to be. Is it possible that this is easily solvable by simplifying my life? Question. Just something for you to think about. Now come with me to John chapter 17, to the right. John 17. In verse 4, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. 
and he's talking to the Father, and he said, I glorified thee, Father, on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. And I have this yellowed, circled stars. It doesn't even make sense to me, or it didn't make sense to me when I read it and I started and yellowed it. Because at the point that Jesus said, I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. What kind of work did he do? He taught. He healed. He cast out demons. Were there other people that were left in the earth that still were blind and and couldn't see and lepers and demoniacs? Yes, there were. And I guess I expected when I first read this that he would have cleared the whole area of every leper and every demoniac, but he didn't see it that way. His perspective was completely different. He looked and he said, I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. He said that with things seemingly undone. He didn't do it all. He did what the Father told him to do. I think that's a key. We can, we can bury ourselves in the Christian community doing good things. We can. We've got to be careful. We have to be careful that we do, number one, the direction that the Holy Ghost gives to us, that the Father in his goodness looks down and says, this is what you are here for at this particular time. And I want to do that job, and I want to do that job well. Don't you? Okay. So we have Martha, who needed to simplify her life. She needed to learn that principle. We see the exact opposite with Jesus, And his principle is, there are things undone, and they don't even bother me, because I did exactly what the Father told me to do. So it doesn't rest on my shoulders, it rests on the Father's shoulders. He can walk stress-free. Isn't that amazing? All right. Let's go on from here. We're going to 1 Samuel chapter 30. That's way back to the left. First Samuel 30. Samuel's before Chronicles. We want to set the, the uh, stage. King David and a group of his men had returned home after they had been out. They were away from their home. And an enemy tribe had come in, made a raid on their homes, and had burned them to the ground. On top of that, their wives, their children, everything they owned was missing. They were taken captive. And I tell you, if that wasn't enough stress, if that happened to you or I, we would be stressed out immensely. But on top of that, 
the men that he had raised, all those that were discouraged and distressed, he made them into what we call the mighty men of God. They turned on him. They went to the leader. They turned on him. And they were talking about stoning him. Now, that's not only being stressed. That's being lonely. Okay? Well, with that background, let's go to verse 6. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered. They didn't understand. Nobody understood. Each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I tell you what, this is a valuable thing to learn to do. And I'm going to make an attempt to step into David's shoes and to show you what it's like to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Boy, I have been in this spot before. I have been where, I, where things have happened and I had no idea why they happened and it didn't make sense to me. And I said, you know, I have to find out what do I know and what do I not know? I have to get stable in God again. So I'm going to walk into David's shoes. And you just sit back and relax for a minute. And I'm going to let you see what I think David did when he went and he stirred himself up before God and he strengthened himself in the Lord. Lord, I'm confused. I don't understand. Crisis is everywhere. It isn't one crisis, it's many crises. I have to be sure of what I know. One thing I know, Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. We have a relationship that's stable and true and good. Another thing I know, you love me. I can count on your love. I can, I can feel your love. Those things have never changed. That hasn't changed. All, my world has changed, but those things have not changed. I remember there was a, a lion, Lord, when I was a boy. And I remember it surprised me from the bush. And when it surprised me, I felt this surge of strength come into my body. And I, I don't know how you did it, but you helped me keep those teeth away from my arm. And I won. I won. And then there was a bear And I won the bear. He was after me. He was after the sheep. But you and I together, Lord, we worked together good. And then there was Goliath. And he looked like such a formidable opponent. But I remember, Lord, I remember that it only took five little stones that I had. You said that was all I could take into battle. And I so appreciate the fact that you let me represent Israel. He was big, Lord, but he fell real strong. You've been my provider. 
I've walked years without want. You've been my shepherd and my guide. You've taken me every place I need to go. But today I'm in need, Lord. I need your wisdom. I need your counsel. I need your perspective. I've been faced with evil before. And you have taught me not to fear evil. I purpose in my heart not to fear. You're my protector. And one thing I know for sure, you're a faithful God. But there's too much pressure, Lord. It's too much. I feel like I'm cracking underneath the weight of the pressure. May I lean on you today. I just want to lean on you, Lord. And I want you to heal my wounds. I believe that's the way David went before God. And he stirred up his past. And he remembered his past. And he remembered what was stable in his relationship with, with the Lord. That God was his protector, provider, shepherd, always faithful. He remembered. He was learning a very valuable lesson. I heard this recently. Faith is refusing to bear the weight of your own provision. When I heard it, it got a hold of my heart, and it has been there in my heart ever since. We try to provide for ourselves. We try to make things happen. We try to force God to do things. And it's not God. Faith is refusing to bear the weight of your own provision. Where does the weight go? The weight feels like it's on your shoulders, like this, heavy, weighing you down. How about if we transfer that weight and let it slide off onto God and let him bear the weight instead of us? It is what David did that day when his life was coming just crushing everywhere. His family was affected. All his properties were affected. His home was gone. That's a pretty big crisis. And on top of that, everybody that he knew that was there and everybody that he had invested in and trained to make them better are now turning around and want to kill you. He had to have a friend, and he found a friend. He found the Lord. Now come with me to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's get some real good scripture and put it into practice. Psalms, Proverbs. Chapter 3, 
verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That is exactly what we do. We learned it as a kid. We just chomp right through it because we know it, and we don't apply it. We're about to stop, take heed, examine, and put it into practice. First of all, if you've got a Bible with you, the question comes to you. Put your eyes on those two verses, and there is a little four-letter word that is repeated four times. What's the word? Your. This is very personal. Every part of these four parts of this scripture have to do with the finger of God pointing at you. The finger of God is pointing at me to take this seriously. He says, first of all, trust. Trust in the Lord. When my mom uh, had moved to Texas, and this was her first visit to come down to be with me, and she had not been on an airplane. My father was not a compassionate man when it came to things like this. He figured... If I can do it, my wife can do it. So he dropped my mother off at Logan Airport in Boston, Massachusetts. And my mother was lost as a goose. She did not know what to do. She did not know where to go. Now my father would plow through, find out what has to be done. She was good country people. You know what I'm telling you? But she didn't know the ways of the world or the airport. And she had a bag, and she was pulling this bag, and she had something else she was carrying here, and she's trying to figure this thing out. You know, an airport can be a very scary place if you don't know what's going on. And the sky cap came up and said to my mother, can I help you? She said, I don't know. She was just beside herself. She said, this guy came back four times and asked, can I help you? And she gave the same response. She's trying to figure it out. And he finally got her attention, said, look at me. You have to trust somebody sometime. All of a sudden, she said, I understood. She was, you know, like a deer in the headlights? She was kind of like that. She just couldn't figure things out on her own. Well, when he said, look at me, you've got to trust somebody sometime. Trust me. She said, okay. And she gave him a few dollars, and she gave the, ba- the bag went on, got on the right plane, because we found it when she arrived here in Houston. And she's telling me this story. I have never forgotten this story. You know, sometimes that's God talking to us. He says, will you trust me? And it went ching right through. We didn't even pay attention. Will you trust me? Ching. Goes right through one ear and out the other ear. Then he says, look at me. Will you trust me now? After we dug ourselves into this mess, 
The answer is yes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. That means abandon yourself. No more of you left. There's going to be a shift today from your shoulders onto his shoulders. And he's very capable of dealing with whatever problem you have. Isn't that wonderful to know? That's wonderful to know. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Second, lean not unto your own understanding. Don't turn first to your own limited viewpoint. Oh, I hear it from my own mouth. Well, this is what I think. None of you say that, of course, okay? What's happening? Well, this is what I think is what's happening. We have our own opinions. We have our own viewpoint. You know, those are not wrong. They're wrong if they're the first ones that we come up with. Don't turn first to your own limited viewpoint. Don't try to work things out on your own. You know what we do? We start, we've got to stay out of the way, guard against fear and panic, scheming, manipulating, worrying, and here's a killer, hurrying. The world tells us we have to make decisions in a fast and in a hurry. Don't, that's a lie. That's a lie. We have to be sure when we make decisions, particularly decisions that are affect our life. <clears throat> Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You go to the doctor, and he gives you a report that's not good. And there's two people involved, doctor and you. If we do it right, there's going to be three people involved. The doctor gives the news to me, and God is involved. I want to find out what God has to say and what he has to do as far as encouraging me, healing me, providing for me. We are children of Almighty God. We are born of his spirit. We are an amazing creature. Unlike the rest of the people that's walking around in this world, their spirits are not reborn. Ours are. We have a connection with God. Let's bring him in and not just use our own ingenuity. Let's use his. He said, lean in all your ways, acknowledge him. In my health, acknowledge him. In my bank account, acknowledge him. In my family, acknowledge him. In our investments, acknowledge him. In people that bug me, acknowledge him. Let the, let the equation, instead of being one person and me, or one problem and me, let it be problem and me and God. Let me acknowledge him. Get his input. And then there's a promise. He will direct your paths. 
He will direct your path. Does it say maybe? Does not say maybe. He said he will direct your path. Isn't that what we're looking for? We're looking for direction on our pathway. Okay. We're going to learn this verse. At least three times, maybe four. Follow my lead. I'm going to give you the phrase and you're going to repeat it. And we're going to get this in our brain. You ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Oh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Now let's do it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Now if that was as far as the Holy Ghost said to go, that would be good. But we're going to do something real different. We are going to physically play out shifting the weight of crisis off of you onto him. So you need something. Ladies, look in your purses. Gentlemen, look in your pockets. If you have a coin, if you have a pen, something that can drop from your shoulder to the floor that you could balance on your shoulder and then when we lean, it will fall over on the floor. Do not use a phone, please, please, please. (laughs) Nothing that will break. Coins work really well. If you've got a bunch of coins, you got something that'll work? Is there anyone who needs something? You got something that'll work? Okay, now listen for direction. That's okay, that'll work. It's staying. We're going to the wall, that wall. We are going to stand about a foot away from the wall, facing in this direction. The reason we're doing that is because when it comes time to lean, you're just going to put your hand on the wall and just lean, and that is going to shift off of your shoulders. Can you do that? Up. And go find your place along the wall. We have a nice long wall there. Sure. Okay. 
If you need to, oh, I didn't know there were this many people. If, if you need to, move that direction a little bit and go down this way. Okay, this won't work. You have to be able to lean against the wall. You need a wall. Okay, get about a foot away from the wall. Because you're going to turn. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Step out, Barbara, for just a minute. This is what I'm talking about. Be about a foot from the wall because you're going to lean this way. Lean into the wall and it's going to fall. Okay? Okay. What is that problem that is eating your lunch? What is the name of that problem? You don't have to tell me. You have to tell God. You give that thing a name. What is it? What's driving you crazy? What is it that you look at and you say, it just comes up over and over again and it's making me stress. Every time that happens, my stomach gets upset, I get a headache, I can't sleep at night. You got it named? You have it named? Now we're going to talk to the mountain. That's what God said to do. Talk to the mountain with conviction. We are going to, you're going to follow my lead. Lord, Lord I, trust I trust you with all of my heart. Of my heart. I'm leaning on my, not on my own understanding. But in all my ways, ways, I'm acknowledging you. you. And you will direct my path. path. That was good practice. Now let's do it with conviction. Lord, Lord, I trust you with all of my heart. heart. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging you. And you will direct my path. Lord, I want to give this to you. Would you just lean and let it fall off your shoulders? Now the Holy Ghost said... The Holy Ghost said, no matter what it felt like, you talked to the mountain, you meant what you said, there's going to be change. I trust that what he said is true. I trust that what he said is true. You can find your seats again, and we'll close this up. Learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus. I'm learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus. I'm learning.
Learning to lean on Jesus, I'm learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over this congregation. They've done what they know how to do. They have spoken words of conviction from their spirit. They have looked at the mountain. They have named the mountain. And the mountain has shifted from their shoulders. And it's on you. In Jesus' name, I'm so grateful that you are able to bear all of this without even blinking an eyelash. Thank you for releasing them from that stress. We honor you and bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Amen.